morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on this great station, American Family Radio. Well, I wanted to ask a question, do a little pop quiz this morning. What is the most important decision in all of life? Now, if you answered receiving Christ as Savior and Lord, you're right. Pilate asked the question, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? That's the most important question in all of life. If you get that question wrong, you are lost for all eternity. If you don't surrender your life to Christ, you are not going to be in heaven with him. Uh, one day you're not going to experience eternal life and receive eternal life and enjoy eternal life with Jesus. But what's the second most important decision in life? Think about that one. The second most important decision is the per- choosing the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That is such a critical decision. When Debbie and I first got married, Debbie made a little cross stitch that we had in our home right in the foyer. As you walked in the front door, you saw it, and it was just this little uh, oval that said, uh, choose your love, love your choice. Choose your love, love your choice. And when you choose your love, make a good choice. And I uh, forgot to turn off my phone. Sorry about that. Uh, Choose your love, love your choice. And so in the studio today... I have uh, my lovely wife, the Your choice. One, my choice, right. Debbie Shreve, and we are uh, talking about this subject, how to make a wise choice in marriage. It is so critical. And Debbie has quite a testimony of almost making a terrible choice a couple different times. Well, let's not get ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and then landing on... Yours truly. Mr. Perfect here. Yeah, well, not. Absolutely. Mr. Moving in the right direction. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. So, so, Debbie, share a little bit about your story of, of almost making a bad choice. Well, um, I, I think I've shared on the radio before, but it bears repeating. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, and my mother and father were wonderful people. They they loved the Lord, but they also were hurting people. They were, to some extent, dysfunctional, as are all of us. But as a result of my dad's job, he um, was not home very much. And then when he was home, he wasn't necessarily engaged in my life a whole lot, just on the day-to-day. Now, overarching, he was a fantastic dad. He uh, loved me with 110% of all he was, but I did not get a lot of interaction with him. And so as a result, as I started getting into my teen years, I started looking for love in all the wrong places because I so desperately needed that and wanted that. So I did okay when I was in high school, but when I went away to college, Katie barred the door. I kind of went off the rails. And so as a result of that, I made a lot of really poor choices in multiple areas of my life, but particularly when it came to dating and um, seeking 
the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with and to marry because I knew that I wanted that more than anything. I wanted to be a wife and I wanted to be a mom. I did not have these huge aspirations of having a career outside the home. I, I just personally did not have that. And so I that was just so important to me. And so I kept seeking after it and I kept seeking after it in all the wrong places. And the predominant reason that I sought after it in the wrong places is because I was in the wrong place. I did not have my life with the Lord right. I had been saved when I was 11 or 12. Um, and I and I know that I truly experienced salvation at that time, but as a lot of teenagers do, I wandered away from that and I started leaning on my own understanding. I started thinking, oh, I can be in control of my life. I can make decisions for my life because I'm just so wise. Um, And I'm just going to make such good decisions. And uh, nothing could have been further from the truth. I made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And I would feel some conviction and I would just blow it off. And I would say, nah, I don't want to deal with that. I'm, I'm, Maybe that wasn't the best decision, but that doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm doing. And I would just continue on making poor decisions. Okay, so when you were when you were dating different guys and you were a guy magnet? Not in high school, but I d- became that way more so in college. Okay, bubbly personality, beautiful uh, girl. And uh, so when guys would, would ask you out or come on to you, what were you, the, the spiritual side, you weren't really interested in that. No, in fact... I, it wasn't that I wasn't interested in it, but I did not want to be involved in any relationship where the guy even remotely could potentially go into ministry because I had grown up in that bubble and I didn't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the reasons that I just steered clear of that. And honestly, I had heard all of my life, you know, only date believers, only belate, only date a Christian. And I thought, well... That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's so limiting. I mean, you know, when we're, who am I going to date? I mean, because let's face it, the population of godly men, even back then in the late 70s and 80s, it wasn't this huge ocean we're with to choose. Right. And so, um, well, I, and you grew up in a smaller church. I you... did, in a smaller church. And I just rationalized my own desires. I, I knew they didn't line up with scripture. I knew that, but I just rationalized it and I kept making excuses for why I felt the way I felt, why I did the things I did. And um, so that was really not on my radar. Now, I didn't want to date an atheist. Right. I didn't even really want to date an agnostic. I just didn't see the importance of narrowing down that dating field to ensure that I made a wise choice. Right. So where did that mindset lead you? That led me into an engagement with a young man that I had dated in high school, and we dated through the bulk of college, actually. And um, I remember having gone to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and we were in one of the blue booths up, up at the upper rung and um, at the Astrodome. The fancy. Yeah, the fancy ones, and because we were... His, his father owned a construction company, and so we were entertaining clients. And I remember looking around the room and seeing just what was going on in the room. And I saw people getting drunk. I, I heard people speaking, you know, vulgar, vulgarly. I saw people uh, 
smoking, smoking cigars. I mean, just just a, it was such a picture of worldliness that I saw. And I mean, the Holy Spirit just yelled at me and said, this is going to be your life. Mm-hmm. This is the direction you're going in. This is going to be your life. Take a look around and see if you like it. And I was so overwhelmed with the knowledge that that is not what I wanted. That mm-hmm. is not what I wanted in my life. And so I came home. From, and you, you, were, you were engaged. I, I was. Okay. We were engaged. Now, we hadn't set a date yet, but we, we were engaged. And um, I remember coming back to my parents' home that evening because – we were in from College Station, and I was staying with my parents. And I remember being just so overwhelmed with conviction over it. And I, I couldn't escape the conviction this time. Before, I could kind of rationalize it away. It but this particular time, the Lord would not let go of me. And so I went to church the next morning, and I purposely just sat completely by myself. And I just let it all wash over me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I could not marry him, mm-hmm. that it was it would be a horrible, horrible choice for me. And so when we got back to College Station later that day, I called him and said, hey, I need to come over. I need to talk to you. And, I, and he had no He clue. had no idea. Bless his heart. In his defense, he had zero idea because I had not done anything to indicate that I was not giddily happy in mm-hmm. this situation. And um, and so I told him, I, I can't marry you. And I gave the ring back. And I remember him asking me, okay, is there some other guy? And I was like, you know, there's not. There, there's not another person. It's just that you aren't the right person for me. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and it was really hard because my mom in particular loved this young man. She just absolutely loved him. And she went into just a tailspin when we broke up. Right. Um, well, she liked the fact that he had money. and Right. And she felt like my my future was very secure with him. I was going to be well taken care of, et cetera. And, and I would have been financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. But I knew that I knew that I had made the right decision mm-hmm. in breaking off that engagement. So when you broke up with him, did you then didn't talk to him anymore? Or? No, um, I completely severed that relationship completely. And there wasn't a, a time where you're like, well, maybe I need to go back to him or... There was maybe a year or so later I had an opportunity to speak with him again Um because he's familiar, he's comfortable. Right, he's familiar, he's comfortable, and but again, it just hit me like a like a freight train. Mm-mm, not the one, not the one. And you would think after that big epiphany mm-hmm. that I would have had a little more wisdom, and for a while I did. Mm-hmm. But then yet again, I fell back into old patterns, and I started dating people that were not good people for me to date. Right, and so then you got. Involved with another guy. Yes, only this time it was much, much worse. Much worse. Right. And um, I ended up, when I, when the Lord really spoke to me so clearly, and, you know, the Lord is so patient with us because I was just living in such rebellion, really, and yet he continued to seek after me. He continued to keep tugging at my heart. He would not let go of me. The hound of heaven would not let go of me. Uh And... um, 
I, I remember when I broke up with guy number two, I thought, okay, God has been gracious enough to give me another chance. Man, I'm, I'm doing a 180. I'm making some real changes in my life. And mm-hmm. I did. Right. Well, we're talking about making a wise choice in marriage. It is so critical. The scripture says this, Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. An excellent wife, Proverbs 31, verse 10, an excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. The reason I still remember our pastor, Damon Shook, uh, when I was on staff at Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, uh, he told me one day, he said, Jeff, you know, I think that one of the reasons why there's so many unhappy marriages is because so many people make a bad choice in marriage. Uh, they, they choose for um, superficial reasons, and maybe it's for looks, or maybe it's for money, or uh, so often they get the cart before the horse and sex just overrides the, the dating relationship to where you can't see straight. But if you make a bad choice in your marriage partner, uh, newsflash, you're going to have a very difficult marriage. And so it is so important to make a wise choice. Choose your love and choose your love carefully and prayerfully. Choose your love and love your choice. And so you weren't careful or prayerful. No, in those. no. And I, and I think what's what's interesting about something you just said, Jeff, is that you know if you if you make a bad choice, marriage is going to be very difficult. Marriage can be difficult. When you're when you've made a good choice, there are That's times right. that marriage is difficult. Right. But man, if if you come at it having made a choice that does not line up with God's plan for your life, and you just independently do that, you have opened up the floodgate of having hardship after hardship after hardship. Right in your relationship. Yeah, I, I've counseled guys in the past and just say, "Listen, you got to really look at this. This is for life. You get married for life till death, uh, do we part? And uh, you do you want to uh, to take on this burden of man? We don't get along about half the time uh, in our dating." That's like, that's like a gigantic red flag, because if you're not getting along very well in your dating, trust me, you will have trouble in your marriage. Well, this is Real Truth for Today, and Jeff and Debbie are here. We're talking about making a wise choice in marriage. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. 
That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, and we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness, and may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm joined in the studio by my lovely wife, Debbie. We're talking about making a wise choice in marriage. It's the second most important decision in your whole life. First most important decision, hands down, what you do with Jesus, receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. That decision changes your life for all eternity. But the second most important decision is who you are going to spend your life with. And sadly, many people just jump into that decision. I had a guy tell me one time, he said he went out with this girl and they really liked each other right off the bat. It was quote unquote love at first sight. And uh, in a week, he got married. Mm. And then uh, three weeks later, he called me, I'm having marital problems. It's like, well, no kidding. Uh, you don't know this person. You just, you know, you can you can meet a lot of people that you think are attractive, you know, and uh, that that's not going to make the marriage. Um, Doesn't sustain. It won't sustain. And and I said yesterday in church as I talked about this subject, uh, how to find a good thing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I said, listen, if you get the cart before the horse and you start having sex before you're married. A uh, couple things to remember, Hebrews 13, 4, let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Those who have sex 
uh, before they're married or those who have sex outside of their marriage, uh, God has strong things to say about that. Uh, marriage is to be sacred. And so if you start having sex before you're married, you you blur the lines. You're not able to see clearly, is this person a good fit for me? Um, Chris well, Schroeder, our counselor, he, he says a lot about just compatibility. Well, and you get a soul entanglement with that person right? <clears throat> when you have sex with them before marriage. And so it's messy to, to separate that. All of a sudden, it, it, it just has tentacles that are interwoven in all different kinds of places. And to break that apart, you're tearing a part of your soul because you have, you've made the choice to be entangled in that way. Right. Yeah, it's a big mistake. Well, it's, it's really interesting. Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Now, find can be, it's a Hebrew word, matzah, that, that can mean two different things. It can mean that you're on a search to, for something. Like, you know, you lose your keys and you're looking around the house. I have found my keys because you were searching for them. And it also can mean to just uh, kind of stumble upon. You just happen upon. So it's like walking down the street and all of a sudden you see and find a $20 bill on the sidewalk. Well, you didn't walk down the street to find $20. You just were walking down the street, and all of a sudden, you just happened upon $20. That's what the Scripture is saying, I believe. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. You are st- you stumble upon that blessing that God has for you because you're not looking uh, all around for a wife. You're looking to the Lord, and you're asking the Lord to guide your steps. You're sharing your heart with the Lord. Um, God, uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You're sharing those with the Lord, but you're not on a mission to, quote, unquote, find a spouse. You're on a mission to draw near to Jesus. And Debbie, that kind of happened to you, didn't it? That's exactly what happened to me when I realized how far off track I had gotten. um, The Lord graciously pursued me, and he pulled me back. But with that pulling back came the realization that there were some radical changes in my life that I needed to make. And those were not legalistic changes. Those were because my heart had so dramatically changed with this fresh encounter that I had with the Lord. And so I made radical changes in my life. I, I, did not go to places that were not going to be God-honoring. I did not hang around with people who did not share the like-mindedness that I shared. And I, more than anything, put as my number one priority to pursue the Lord, to come into a close relationship with Him, to be obedient to Him in all things. And I remember specifically making a vow to the Lord. And the Bible is very clear about making vows to Mm -hmm. the Lord. You do not make them lightly. If you make them, you make sure that you adhere to them because there are some severe consequences for taking those vows lightly. And so I, I knew the magnitude of what I was doing, but I made a vow to the Lord that were I to ever stray off the path in in terms of just personal choices that I made physically or um, just spiritually if I were if if I were to ever start l- even remotely leaning in that direction that God would just strike me dead that he would just take me home I never wanted to break his heart mm-hmm. in that way again right. and 
So I, I took that vow extremely seriously. I, you know me well enough to know that I'm a very, I'm a very disciplined <laughs> extremely person. Extremely disciplined. And um, and so once I had had really committed to that, I never wavered from that. I to this day, I have not wavered from that, and um, it, it really set me on a course to put me positionally in a place where I could meet the person that I needed to meet that God would bring into my life. And like you said, it's like our, our number one relationship in life that's important is our vertical relationship with the Lord. But in terms of our horizontal relationships, the number one relationship we have is with our spouse. And so I set up some real parameters that I felt were God given to make sure that I did not make a mistake. And so I wanted, I was going to only date a believer. Hmm, What a shock. You know, mm-hmm. what What an interesting concept, right? right? But, I mean, it took that much for my denseness to be cast aside and for revelation to come into my mind and my heart. Anyway, I decided I was only going to date a believer, and, and a believer even wasn't enough. They had to be a growing, committed believer. Yes. They were not just someone coming to church to check the box, looking to try and find a spouse or, or whatever right. it might be. They were actually in a, in a very... Um, live, a very real, a real growing, deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. They were committed and sold out to that. So that was number two. Number three, I made the the parameter that it was only going to be someone that was Baptist. Not that there's anything magical by any stretch of the imagination about being Baptist. It's just that's how I grew up. That was what I was comfortable with. That's what I wanted my family to be when when I was when I finally did get married and had kids that's the kind of church that I wanted to go to I didn't want to compromise on that either so I just set up some real strong parameters and I even in moments of loneliness or isolation I did not deviate from those boundaries that I had put in place okay so at that you made that decision yes. that was around Thanksgiving time wasn't it in, Could be. I honestly, I don't remember. It was, it was toward the end of 1984, because that's when you started going to Champion. Forest. Yes, yes, yes. Toward the end of 84. Okay, so I told the church yesterday. I still remember the first time that I laid eyes on you, and I was just blown away by how oh. beautiful uh, you were, and you still are. Um, and I said, uh, not not thinking this scripture verse, but it sure fits in as the verse that Samson said is first thing that came out of his mouth, I saw a woman, and he tells his dad, get her, for she looks good to me. And go. I said that in my heart, man, she looks good to me. But you were dating somebody at that right. time. And uh, you never had trouble finding dates. No. Uh, the guys always... Which, okay, people can look at that and think, oh, how lucky. No, 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 it can be a, that can be a really difficult thing, too. When you are, when it's easy for you you to get dates, because then you end up going out with people that maybe aren't the best people for you to go out with, and so I I had to really limit that. I had to really limit. So did, did you who turn I a lot of guys down? Yes. What would you tell them? I would just say I'm just not interested in in, in dating anybody right so now. So you almost said that to me. I did because I just thought to myself. Oh, this person never speaks because you never talked. You were so quiet in a group. I was shy. You were very introverted and very shy. And um, I was always drawn to people who were a lot more outgoing, who um, 
were dark featured and you were a blonde. I mean, there were just all these things that, you know, just didn't line up necessarily in my mind. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just I didn't see it at first until we went on that first date and oh my goodness, you were just like Chatty Cathy. I have never laughed so hard and I had the best time. And I remember coming home and waking my roommate up and telling her, hey, I, I think I'm going to marry that guy. Yeah. And, and here we are a all little, these years later. A little aggressive, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, well, I didn't day. tell you that. No, you didn't tell me that. Uh, we did have a great time. And, and you and I have always just We've been very compatible. Right. Um, so that wasn't something, even after getting married, the adjustment of marriage, and, and marriage is an adjustment, but it wasn't a hard adjustment for us because we just, we got along really well. Right. It wasn't like a bait and switch. Like we, we didn't have that kind of situation happen where we went into marriage thinking, oh, it's going to be like this. And it was a 180 different than that. We did not have that because when we were dating, we spent so much time together. And we were able to see each other in all different types of situations. When one of us was upset, when something bad had happened at work, when one of us got angry over something, we were able to really kind of evaluate and walk through different situations together so we weren't we weren't surprised necessarily with the situation once we did get married. Well, we both, um, we met at Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas in the singles department. And there was a phrase in the singles department. I think the phrase really took root after we got out of the singles department. But the phrase is this, you're single for a season or you're single for a reason. And, uh, you know, God has a reason for people Uh, Sometimes when they want to get married, the Lord is saying, you're not ready to do that. Why have I not brought somebody to you? Because you're not ready yet. You need to work on you. And so I shared yesterday in in the sermon that I preached, how to find a good thing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, You have to work on you. If you're going to find the right person, you have to be the right person. And when you are walking with God, you're going to attract somebody who is walking with God. If you're not walking with God, you're going to attract somebody who's not walking with God. Um, That's just kind of the law of attraction. And that's really, really important to say, okay, Lord, work on me and to work through your emotional baggage. Right. You had to do that. Oh, goodness, because I had like two semi-trucks connected together of baggage coming in. Um, and, and I think part of the struggle with my baggage was a lot of it was religious baggage, which is some of the worst baggage that you can have because it just intertwines your own emotional mess with how you view God as well. Right. And so it's it's a lot more complicated to untangle that because the you have an enemy who does not want that untangled and um yeah and i didn't have that no you did not have that because i didn't become a christian until i was a senior in high school toward the end of my senior year in high school so i wasn't indoctrinated in all the religious right um but i think for so many people they have this performance-based acceptance with god and when I'm doing well, he loves me. And when I'm doing poorly, he doesn't love me. And so, uh, Debbie, in your situation, there'd have been a, there would have been a lot of guilt. Right. God has a lot of guilt, a lot kicked of shame. me out of the family right. and all that kind of feeling. And so uh, that's a lot to overcome. Yes. And uh, to understand 
the grace of God. I mean, even me today, uh, I have to fight that because the devil really uses that performance-based acceptance with God. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. This daisy theology that's all based on our performance with God. Listen, God loves you at your lowest point. God loves you when you're the prodigal at the pigsty. He still loves you. He doesn't love you being there, but he loves you, and he wants you to leave the pigsty of sin and come to him. And when you do, you find his arms open wide, and you get in on the good plan he has for your life. Well, Jeff, I think you said something interesting. Um, just I, say, I say a lot. You of say a lot things. of interesting things. It's so true. But you talked about the fact that even to this day, you struggle with that. And um, I think that's so important to note that even in marriage, even after you have made your choice, you have to continue to put your relationship with God as the number one most important thing. Because anytime you start to get your eyes off of that and you look to your spouse as opposed to looking to the Lord, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. Things are not going to go well. It's it's a continual habit that you have to develop within your own spiritual life that your relationship, that vertical relationship, is key to all of life, prior to marriage, in marriage, all of it. It's the key key, uh, key thing. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, the most important thing. And it's the cornerstone it of, is. Your, of your life. It's the foundation. And your marriage. So making a wise choice in marriage, that's our topic for today. And Debbie and I are discussing this. We'd love to discuss it with you. The number to call after the break is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. Listen, God wants you on a scale of 1 to 10. He wants you to have a great marriage. He wants you to have a marriage that's a 12. It's just off the charts wonderful. That doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulties in marriage. That doesn't mean you're not going to have trials and struggles and times that you get mad at one another and issues that you have to work through. But there is nothing greater in my life outside of my relationship with Jesus than my relationship with Debbie. And she is my partner in life and she makes life so sweet and uh, so wonderful and uh, my job before the Lord is to love her to love her when she's lovable to love her when she's not very lovable and her job before the Lord is to respect me when I'm respectable and when I'm not very respectable it's love and respect and when a husband does his job and a wife does her job the marriage is sweet and there is this wonderful thing called oneness. So you're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, along with my wife, Debbie. Listen, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that, at Jeff Shreve, at Jeff Shreve, J-E-F-F-S-C-H-R-E-V-E. I'd love to to have you uh, connect with me that way. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us.
Bishop E.W. Jackson. What needs to be told to these black men is get a job, stop fathering children that you can't take care of, stop hanging out in the streets, and stop acting like the cops are your enemy anytime you interact with them, particularly when you're interacting with them in a situation where you know they've come expecting potential trouble because of the circumstances you've allowed yourself to be in. How about trying that? Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Millions of persecuted believers, they're suffering and they can use your prayers and financial support right now. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International in the country of Zambia, the place where the famous missionary David Livingstone carried out years of ministry. Shadrach is an elder in a shanty church. He had word that there was an attack coming one Sunday and sure enough, 20 radicals showed up in attempt to kill all the Christians gathered for worship in that service, about 200 in number. Now in self-defense, Shadrach had a handgun. He used it on a man named Ishmael, didn't kill him, but he injured him but nursed him back to health. He was a livestock farmer, so he took care of the man's livestock. The daughter of that man could not read, could not write, so Shadrach would teach her to read and write using a Bible League program. And I can tell you, in grateful response, the entire family and 80 former radicals have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. They need Bibles at $5 a Bible. Would you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. We've always had an interest. God has given us a gift of being able to help a lot of people with their finances and budgets and stuff. Bernie and Alice Larson are faithful supporters of the American Family Association. We were thinking about the charitable gift annuities, and we'd never heard of that before, but we thought, well, we'd always wanted to leave some of our money with for God, but we didn't know where or how. And it, we felt like this was put into our laps as answer to our prayers as to what we could do after we're gone. The Larsons learned that a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation would provide them with monthly income for life, as well as supporting the American Family Association into the future. You can learn more about charitable annuities and other financial products at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. You just can't outgive God, and He just keeps pouring back into us. Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm here in the studio along with my wife, Debbie. We're talking about making a wise choice in marriage. Most people, Debbie, uh, want, as, as young people, they want to be married one day, and so many of them want to have children. That's a good and godly thing. It's not true for every single person. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he may have been married at one time, but he was not married during his ministry, and uh, he said, I wish you were like me because I can be singularly focused. Um, you know, when you have a spouse, it, it's it's different than when you're just single and you can blow and go and do whatever the Lord wants you to do and you can just invest all your time in discipleship and evangelism and spiritual growth and things like that. Um, But for those who want to get married, uh, let's talk about waiting on the Lord. That can be really, really hard, can it? 
definitely. Um, especially when that's just such a strong desire that you have. And, and that's a God-given desire that you have t- to be married. And so it's just trusting in the Lord, not leaning on your own understanding and positioning yourself in such a way that you're at the right place, you know. Um, and, and that's what those were the decisions that I had to make to put me positionally in the right place. And when I say positionally in the right place, I was engaged in church. I had a community of like-minded believers that I did life with that supported me and that held me accountable and those type of things. And I wasn't necessarily looking like you were talking about he who finds a wife finds a good Mm -hmm. thing. I wasn't like at church just seeking, just thinking, oh, who am I going to meet today? I was at church because I had made a commitment that I was going to have the Lord number one in my life. And because of that, he gave me a desire to be in fellowship with him, to worship with other believers that were like-minded. He gave me the desire to do that. And even on those mornings when I didn't have that desire, I disciplined myself and I got up and I went. And it, it was through the course of that and just being patient with that, that at the right time, God brought you into my life. I would not have been ready for that prior to that because I would not have been the woman that you would have found attractive. Right, right. That's for sure. And well, I, would, I mean, I physically assume. maybe, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, phys- Not, that wasn't a problem. Right, the physical attraction. But in terms of a, a of a lasting attraction, meaning that there was more in common there than just that physical aspect. Yeah, I wouldn't have. If you hadn't been pursuing the Lord, I wouldn't have been interested. Right. And so, um, I, I tell people this all the time. Hey, you, you're dating this person. Are they passionately pursuing Jesus? Not just ho-hum, not just a little bit. And so often it happens where girls are more interested spiritually than the guys. And so they get tied up with this guy that's marginal at best. And what they don't realize is marriage is hard. And if he's not seeking Jesus, he's not going to be the spiritual leader that you need him to be. And he's not going to just automatically become that person because you want him to be that. That's correct. Um, And all too often, uh, a woman, you know, she gets married to this guy. He's marginal at best, whether he's a Christian or not. It's hard to say because there's not a lot of fruit in his life. But she wants him to be this way. And then she looks at other guys at church that seem to be leading their families. They're teaching Sunday school. They're singing in the choir. And, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And so they get uh, they get very disenchanted with their own husband. And so that comes across as disrespect. And they'll start to ding him a little bit, just subtly here and there. And he picks up on that really well if he's not getting respected, if he feels diminished in her eyes. And then that creates all kinds of difficulty in the marriage. If she disrespects him, he will withhold love. As he withholds love, she gives more disrespect. And the whole thing. It's a vicious cycle. It is. And it just all starts falling apart. Well, I know when, when we were dating, because I had made that commitment, I knew that I had a very strong personality. I, I, I knew that about myself. And so I had in the past been more drawn to personality types who were um, more laid back in nature because mm-hmm. I was a more take charge person and because opposites do attract. But in making a life partner decision, I knew that I did not want a spiritually passive husband. 
I knew that I needed someone that I could count on and rely on to be the spiritual leader in the home. And so that was that was part of the decision to not just date someone who said they were a believer, but to date someone who was steadily and purposefully growing in their walk with the Lord. And I, I watched that in guys and I would say, okay, you know, are, are they passive in their walk with the Lord? Because I need a spiritual leader. I, I, you know, the Bible specifically says that the husband is the leader in the home. And I did not want to be in a situation where I was going to be connected and tied for for the rest of my life with someone who was going to be real passive right. in that area. Um, and so I, I really watched you to, to see, okay, because in, in, in your personality, you're pretty laid back. And so those were attributes that I loved, but I didn't want that spiritually. Right. I wanted to make sure that in our the spiritual element of our relationship, that you took the lead in that and that you led me, even if I wasn't wanting to be led right then, that you were just like, <laughs> nope, I'm the leader and this is how this is going to go down. And so um, I was careful to, to not lean on my own understanding in that, but to make sure that I watched that in you and that you, you proved that to me over the course of our dating. Well, we'd love to take your calls. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840, 1-888-589-8840. Choose your love, love your choice. Now, I tell couples this all the time. Hey, once you say, I do, then this whole idea of soulmate and all that, that's your soulmate. That's the girl. That's the guy. That This is for life. Don't have this. Don't go into marriage thinking you can. Uh, if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to bail out. Don't go into marriage with a, a ship of divorce hanging in the harbor that you said, oh, "If this is if this gets uncomfortable, if it's not any fun anymore, if I'm unhappy, then I'll just bail out." That's not an option for the Christian. Um, we we get married for life, and we work on the difficulties regardless of what they are, and they will come um, in in the marriage vows for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health till death do we part. Now, Debbie, you were sick just in the last goodness I've almost been, two weeks. Yes, for eleven days, and I can say that because it just feels like forever. But I'm finally on the mend. But I mean, that's hard on us just sure. in, in those two weeks. If, if you have a chronic back injury or something where the person is or he's dealing, she's dealing with cancer or something like that, that's months, that's years, that's debilitating. Um, that's that, a supernatural love you have to have. Right. And that's marriage. Mm-hmm. It and, is. And that's life. Right. And we don't like it, but it's there. Well, Jeff, I want to circle back to to something that I just talked about, and that was about you not being passive. I know that there are a lot of people probably listening to us right now that that they are in a marriage relationship, and maybe their husband is a believer, but he is passive in the home. So how, from a biblical standpoint, how does a wife deal with a husband who is passive? She desperately wants him to lead She's listening and she's thinking, oh, you know, I, w- I would follow. If he would just lead, I would follow. But he's, he's just so passive. What is some godly counsel that you can give in those situations? Well, I, I think you, you look at it like this. So it's, it's in, in marriage that God has said, okay, husband, you're the designated driver. 
It doesn't mean you drive better than your wife. It doesn't mean you lead better than your wife. It doesn't mean you're smarter than she is or more gifted or more equipped. It just means that God has said, you're the driver. And so in, in, in the wife is the navigator. She's the helper. She's, she's there to encourage her husband and to respect her husband. She's the wind beneath his wings, and she, uh, she lifts him up and encourages him and helps him. She doesn't tear him down. Uh, here's the difficulty. So if she perceives he's not driving well, he, he, he has left, he's got his hands off the wheel, he's playing on his phone, and we're about ready to crash. I think that goes on in a woman's mind a lot of the time. He's not leading. I have to step in and lead. Otherwise, we're going to crash, and I'm forced to do that. That's where you have to trust the Lord and say, God, you have told me not to lead. You've told me to support him. So I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to trust you that you're not going to let our marriage, our family crash, and uh, that you're going to hear my prayers, that you're going to get him motivated to do. Because if a woman jumps in and grabs the wheel, then he's like, oh, okay, you have this. I'm going to go in the back seat and play video games. Um, that's the tendency for every guy, especially if he has a tendency to be passive. And so she has to just wait on the Lord, trust the Lord, keep encouraging him, find things he does well and encourage him and praise him for it. Don't nitpick the things he does poorly and ding him for it because his greatest need is respect. Let a wife see to it that she respect her husband. And so if you will respect him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because sometimes he's not respectable, and you have to really search, what does he do well? Let me, let me um, build him up on those things. What you'll find is you do it God's way, and you wait on the Lord, and God will work in that situation, and God will begin to light a fire under him. But if you take the wheel, then it's not going to happen. Well, we have Michael from Ohio on the line. Michael, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hey, I got a question. Well, uh, a predicament, I guess you could say. My wife is Baptist, and I grew up Catholic. We get married and actually got married in her uh, church here in Columbus, Baptist Church. However, here recently, there's been some preaching that's coming out of the pulpit that's really left-leaning and... They're getting a lot more politically political in their sermons to the point where, you know, they're not really preaching and teaching Bible-based theology. And, you know, two weeks ago, I just got to the point, I told my wife last week, I'm sorry, I can't go back and attend that church anymore. What do I do now? Um, how did she respond to that? Uh, she wasn't real happy, but she got up and went to church by herself this Mother's Day. Yeah. Well, um, that's a difficult situation, Michael, for sure. I, I would um, I would encourage you this way. I, I would just sit down with her um, and say, "These are my struggles um, with 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 what's coming out of the pulpit." And um, if you're a member of that church, or if you've been going for some time. Um, maybe you and your wife could go sit down with the pastor and say, this is, I'm, I'm having real questions and real struggles with this. 
And, uh, you know, there, there, is an, there is definitely an intersection with moral issues that are facing America that have become political. Abortion is one of those. Um, that's a biblical issue that's also a political issue. Same-sex marriage and uh, transgenderism, those things. I talk about those things uh, from the pulpit, and I'm unashamedly conservative. This is what the Bible says. I don't care if, if this makes you mad. This is the truth, and um, I'm speaking the truth in love. So those things are going to intersect. But if somebody starts going uh, off the rails into— uh, you know, into uh, liberal theology, or they they start adopting the the culture. Um, the culture is going in the wrong direction. The culture is going off the cliff, and so maybe that would be a good thing to if you sense that they're going away from scripture, and you have scripture to back this up. Why you know why what he's saying is wrong. Um, I would talk to him about it and just appeal to him, not not to rail on him, but just to say, help me out here because this is how I read the Bible and I hear you saying something different. And if your wife knows it's not just a, I hate Baptist churches or if it's, you know, it, but if there's substance to it, um, maybe she'll listen. Now she probably, if she's been going there for a while, she has friendships and things like that. So that's hard for her to say, I got to pull out of this. But uh, that I would just say, be patient um, and, and appeal to her that way and just say, you know, let, let's visit with him and, and talk through some of these things and, and give the Lord an opportunity to work there. And make sure you're not, don't make a decision, the, the acronym HALT. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, um, be, be careful uh, of not making a, a decision like that because it can be a short-sighted decision. So thank you, Michael, for calling in. I appreciate that. Uh, we have a minute left. Stacy from Texas. Go ahead, Stacy. The advice that was given to me was to marry my best friend. That way, when the honeymoon's over with, you want to spend time and be around that person. Could y'all talk this last minute about being married to your friend? Yes. That's my friend Stacy Cody. I remember that. I would recognize that name anywhere. Marrying your best friend, it is so important to have that friendship in marriage that it's not just a physical thing, although the physical is there, but you love this person, love to be around them. I'm like that with Debbie. Right. And Debbie, you like that with mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I look forward to being with you again tomorrow. As we lift up the Lord, remember, shine for Christ and share what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. God bless you. I'll be with you again tomorrow.